0: Jesus, holiness is what you long for, King. Is holiness what we're giving him? Holiness is what you long for, King. Is holiness what I'm giving you? See, the king searches this world, and he looks up and down, and he searches the minds and the hearts of his children. He's looking for holiness. He's not looking for a talented worship singer, though it's good. And he's glorified through it. He's not looking for a public speaker, though he's, it's good and, and he's glorified through it. He's not looking for someone who is good at administration or, or someone who has it all together or someone who has a degree. He's not looking for that, though it's all good and it brings him glory. But first and foremost, he's looking for holiness. He's looking for a church, a generation who will stand up and be holy in the midst of all this sin, in the midst of all this darkness, it's holiness that he's calling you to, and he's calling myself to. And if if we go to church, and that's awesome, and that's amazing, we come to church, and you've been walking with Christ for so long, but are you still living holy for Jesus tonight? Are we still giving the Lord our 100%? Like we did when we first met him. Are we being faithful? See, he's looking for faithfulness as well. Everybody say faithfulness. It's what he's looking for. He's looking for a, a man and a woman who will, who will remain faithful to the very end. When it gets hard in their walk with God, they will remain faithful to the king. They will not be swayed to the left or to the right, but they will remain faithful to the living God. Holiness. And faithfulness is what he's looking for from his children. See, Christians today, we want to compromise in, in, in our walk with God, with different areas in our lives. A lot of times, you know, we want to be very religious and say, you know what, well, I don't believe in, in women preaching, and I don't believe in tattoos, and I don't believe in, in piercings, and that's all the, about the outer appearance, but what about the heart? What about the things that you watch that you might not do anything to your physical body, but what are you doing deep down to your soul when you sit in front of the TV and you watch things that are unholy, that are unholy to the living God, sitcoms that mock God? See, it gets quiet because the church today does not preach about sin as much as it should. The church today wants to make everybody be comfortable and come to church and just have a good time. Before, the church used to be a place that you knew that when you walked into that place, someone was going to come up to you and confront you with sin. But church today is a place where we go and hide now. Church is a place where we want to go. When we mess up, we think we can go to church and we can come to Christ and he's going to wash us. And we can go back out into the streets and do it all over again. If you don't believe me, come out to Wicker Park with us next Saturday. Christians out there debating what sin is. If you're in this place and you don't know what sin is, then you're not saved. If you want to have a debate about what sin is, then you are not saved. Anything that that goes against the word of God is sin. Holiness, no compromise, one straight line. He said it will be a straight and narrow path. Amen? A straight, it will be tight, it's going to be hard. You might fall, but guess what? He's going to catch you holiness, a generation that will stand on holiness, that will, will look unto God with clean hands and a pure heart. Come on, can you say that today about yourself? Lord, I can stand here today and I know that I've been walking holy with you. I have clean hands and a pure heart. Can you say that about yourself today? I ask, I ask myself that question every day. When I, before I get into the presence of God, I, if there's something in my heart, I have to let it out. I have to say, Lord, forgive me. I cannot stand here and hold this mic if I'm not living right with God. You cannot stand there and preach the gospel on the corner if you're not living right with Jesus. You cannot expect your family members and your friends to get saved if you're not living right for Jesus. Your family members and your your friends, they want to see a difference in you. They want to see you get changed. They want to see you get rocked. They want to see what happens when you go to that church three times a week. What's going on? So-and-so looks the same. What's changing in their life? Their character is the same. Their personality is the same. They got the same bitterness and anger they had way before. So what is that church doing for them? It's just another crutch. See, the people have this misconception of what the church is today because of the people that go to that church. We have to stand on holiness in this place. We will be a generation that will look unto God and say, Cleanse me, Lord. I am a man and a woman of unclean lips. Jesus, touch the coal to my lips tonight and burn it away. I don't want religion, Lord. I want you. He is the living God, people. When we come here and we sing holiness, Lord, or holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, that means something. And the Lord is saying, how could you sing that to me when you're living the life that you're in? How could you sing that to me when you just curse somebody out, Or when you're holding anger in your heart? How could you come to me with those lips? The same lips that just cursed somebody out is now praising me. We serve the living God and we can fool one another. But we can't fool the king. Let's turn to Proverbs 8. Well, you don't have to turn there. I'll read it to you. 8.13. It says, to fear the Lord is to hate evil. As Christians, we have to hate evil. He says, I hate pride and arrogance. Evil behavior and perverse speech, come on, evil behavior, fighting, perverse speech, all those coarse joking, you know, talking about sex, all those little innuendos that we may have. Perverse speech. How could you praise God with those lips? To fear the Lord is to hate evil. How can you hate it when you're watching it on TV? How could you hate it when you condone it, when other people around you are messing around and you condone it? How, how can you hate that? Do you fear the Lord? Jesus Proverbs 15:8 Proverbs 15:8 The Lord detests the sacrifice of the wicked. Jesus But the prayer of the upright pleases him. So when we come to this place and we offer him sacrifices of praise, he detests it. It sounds just like a bunch of noise to him. When we praise him and we're not right, he detests the sacrifice of the wicked. You might as well just keep it to yourself. But the prayer of the upright pleases him. Amen. The Lord hears us. If you're living right for Jesus today, praise God and he hears you. And if you know a brother and a sister that's not living right for Christ, who is doing it uh, halfway, not all the way, then pray for him because the Lord is hearing you. Now let's turn to Proverbs 6.16. There are six things the Lord hate, the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to Him: haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a man who stirs up dissension among his brothers. Come on, that's another list of sin. Can you check off that category and say, that's not me, and if it is me, the Lord is working on me? Can you be honest with the king tonight about what's going on in your heart? Can you be honest? Because you know what? God didn't come for the perfect. He didn't come for the perfect. He came for the sinner. Amen? So if you're not doing it 100%, if you're not following him with all your heart, soul, and mind today, he came for you. He came to set you free in this place. He came to give you new life. Amen? He came for one. He came for all. But if he had to come for one, he would have done it all over again. Let's read Luke 15. Am I there? Yes. It says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear him. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Come on. Praise God. I'm going to read that one more time. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you had a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? Jesus welcomed the sinner. He ate with them. He did not despise them. He wanted to talk to them. He wanted to eat with them. And then he goes on to explain to the teachers of the law why he did it. He said he would go after that one. He would rejoice after the one. If you were to ask me, would I, if I had 100 sheep and I lost one, I would let that one go. You know, you, does anybody else feel me on that? I would let that one go and I would say, I got my 99. You know, this, it's a good day. But guess what? God's ways are not our ways. All right? Our thoughts are not his thoughts. So he cares about that one. You know, sometimes we have good ideas, and we think this is the best way, but God has other ideas. Our, God, our ways are not God's ways. Amen? He would go after that one, and he says to you, come, I'm going to eat with you, I'm going to sit down, and I'm going to talk to you. If we turn right now to Matthew 9-9, when he's calling, he's calling Matthew, the tax collector, He puts tax collectors and sinners in the same category because tax collectors were deceitful and they would take away more than they needed to. And the Jewish people despised them. And so here he's calling Matthew, who was a tax collector. He says, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners God has come to heal the sick. He has come to forgive the sinners. He has come to bring the lost back into into his house. He has come to gather his children under his wing. That's when he comes. So, God, if right now you can say in your heart that you are not living 100% for God, today is the day to get right with him. Because guess what? We're not playing church in this place. This is not something that we come and we do every Sunday night because it's fun and we want to be a part of something awesome. It's more than that. It's salvation. Our salvation depends on this, our our walk with God. We don't play with God. A man was asking me last night, how many times will the Lord forgive him? As if we can fool the living God. He says, come to me and he will forgive you. Come to him with a pure heart. Come to him with just being genuine and saying, Lord, this is who I am. I cannot hide who I am from you. You see the things that are done in secret. You see everything. You see my heart, Lord. You even see the sin I don't even know about. Lord, change me. Help me, Holy Spirit. That's it. It's one step to Jesus Christ. If you're struggling with drugs, if you're struggling with alcohol, it's one step to Jesus Christ. One step to Jesus Christ. The Lord uses sheep to describe us many many times in his parables. Sheep are defenseless animals. They are easily devoured by, by wolves and animals. They are easily led astray, and that's how he describes us. Guess what? Because sheep are dependable, are, are dependent on one another and on their shepherd. Amen? They are dependent on, on them. But they can't do anything without each other. And when one leaves, the devil is ready to just devour That one, to bring them down. And so when you're walking around and and you're being led astray by things out in this world, guess what? The enemy is ready to just take you down. But the Lord knows and he's watching you. He says he is the good shepherd. He is the good shepherd who watches over his sheep. Let's turn right now to, to John 10. He says, I tell you the truth. The man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought all of his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. All all who ever came before me were thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate, and whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The pe- the thief comes only to steal, to steal and kill and destroy. Come on, everybody say that with me. Steal steal, steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Come on, everybody say life. Have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks and the flock, attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me, just as the father knows me and I know the father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep sheep pen. I must bring them also, and they too will listen to my voice. And there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life, only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and the authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. Hallelujah. So what do we learn from this? He is the good shepherd. He's watching over us. If you're struggling in something, he's the one that's going out there and searching for you to get you back. But the question is, do you know his voice? Do you know his voice tonight? Is your relationship so intimate with God tonight that you could say, if God was calling me, if he was speaking to me, I would know his voice. God is reaching out tonight for his generation. He's calling out for his children to come back. But his children are being led astray by false ideas in this world, by false doctrine in this world. That it's all about me. It's all about me in the church. And when I come to church, people need to say hi to me. When I come to church and I give my tithes and my offerings, everybody needs to know what I'm putting in that bucket. Come on, it's all about me. I deserve that position. I deserve to be holding that mic. I deserve to be teaching the children, come on, it's all about me. It's not about you. If it wasn't about Jesus Christ when he was here on this earth, he didn't say, serve me, fan me, feed me grapes. He didn't say that. No, he said, I came to serve. I came to serve. I came to minister. I came to lay down my life for the sheep. It's not any different between you and I. We are followers of Jesus Christ. Are we greater than our master? No, we're not. Holiness is what he's looking for. Holiness is what he's longing for. So tonight, if that's not you, get on your face tonight and ask Christ for mercy. Ask him for mercy upon your soul. Come on, we're not perfect. There's always something in our life that's going on. Say, Lord, show me the hidden things of my heart tonight. Rick, if you could put on a song in the background. Say, Lord, show me the hidden things in my heart because I know that there's something going on, Lord. I haven't changed. I look the same as I did two years ago. I look the same as I did three years ago. Lord, help me tonight. Show me. I want to come closer to you. I want to enter into your throne. I want to come into your presence, God. I want you to touch the cold to my lips tonight, Lord. I want you to purify my heart and my soul tonight, Lord, because I'm longing for you, and I can't hear your voice, Lord. What is wrong with me tonight, Lord? I want you. He's saying, come to me, and he will cleanse you. He will wash you and purify you tonight. It's not time to play games anymore because you know what? The days are short and the time is coming. Are you ready to meet your, your, your creator? We go on the street and we preach with such passion to people who are walking by. But then people in our church come and they're so comfortable. We have to preach to one another that way. We have to keep each other accountable that way. We have to get into each other's lives that way. We have to depend on one another and lead each other into the right path. Sometimes you just got to kick somebody in the bum, you know? Get them right back to the, to, the right track because salvation depends on it. Other people who are watching you are watching you to see what this God business is all about. God wants you to burn for Him. Fire attracts people. Burn for Jesus so that they can see it. Burn! Let it burn from inside. Let it burn that the whole world may see you on fire for God. He doesn't want lukewarm Christians. He doesn't want Christians who are pushovers. You have the fire of God inside of you, the Holy Spirit who has come to lead you, to guide you, to counsel you. You have the fuego de Dios. Amen? Hallelujah? Thank you, Jesus. Come on, who is ready? Who is ready to say, Jesus, come on, touch my heart tonight, Lord. Even if you don't know that there's sin, repent for your city tonight. Repent for the church tonight. Repent for what you did last night. Come on, what you did before you walked in through these doors. Repent for pride. Come on, I'm not any better. I'm human, and I'm not going to stand up here and say that I'm perfect. Jesus, touch me, Lord. Let it come from the head down. if